Hi, everybody, and welcome to That's Life, the show where God gave us light and Lipa took it away. Good afternoon, folks, and thanks for listening. I apologize for the cold, but frankly, it's cold in the five towns and there's no heat. I am Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, and general manager here at the Nahum Siegel Network. You can find me here every Thursday at 2 p.m. As I hope to bring you a little entertainment, a little news, and a little relief that the life you are leading is not nearly as wacky as mine, and don't I mean that this week. Coming to you from the home of the Nahum Siegel Network on the beautiful Lower East Side, I always love coming here, but on a good day. But right now, I really love coming here. I know. I my uh, Yeah, that's much better. Thank you. My, uh, my headset wasn't loud enough only because my ears are so ridiculously clogged from this cold. Anyway, if you are a new listener to the show, thank you for taking a break from your day to tune in. And if you are a returning listener, thanks, as always, for making us part of your day. If Miriam L. Wallach once a week is just not enough for you, do what Hannah Foxman does. Visit me on my blog at DearThat'sLife.com. Friend me on Facebook or send me an invite on LinkedIn. You can also shoot me an email, Miriam at DearThat'sLife.com or Miriam at NahumSiegel.com. I will not respond to you during the show, but I will, please God, make sure to get back to you afterwards. My thanks to Hannah, who sponsored me on my runner's page with Team Yachad. While I would normally take this as an opportunity to plug that page, I'm not doing it today. Though I love Team Yachad, I will take the opportunity to plug it for the next couple of months, couple of weeks, as I prepare for the half marathon. There is time for that. Right now, we need to focus on Achiezer and supporting their efforts in the five towns and the Rockaways in order to recover from Hurricane Sandy. Let's go to our favorite segment, which, of course, I would not skip even on a day like today. What does the fortune cookie say? That bag was moved way far away from me, and actually that's my fault because I put it there. Hold on one second. That's the noise you're all looking for. I love this part of the day. Last, on Monday, when I hosted the never-done-before-Monday live lunch, I opened a fortune cookie that had to do with the storm, which was actually really freakish. It said, oh, no, that's not it. That was a different one. Here's today's. Here's today's. Let's see if it's just as prophetic. We, oh, my gosh. We all have a lot more in common than it seems. Well, ain't that the truth? Makes me want to eat the fortune cookie. Ain't that the truth? Let's take care of some short business. Here are today's national holidays. It's a bet and aid punsters day. It's a day to make dreadful puns and encourage others to do so. To do so, it is you're supposed to laugh and not roll your eyes. I don't know if I can do that. It's also cook something bold and pungent day. All right. It's National Parents as Teacher Day. And I would like to say on behalf of all of us who uh, have no schooling in the five towns because our schools have had no power or are um, up to their eyeballs in uh, water damage. We have all been parents. We are all we are. We have all been parents and teachers this week. That is for sure. And last week as well. We are always um, we are always we are always role models for our children and how to react in good times and in bad times. I hope that I've been a good role model for my kids. I'm sure that I've had my weak moments as well, as we all have. There have been a lot of breaking points for people in the five towns and in the Rockaways and in Seagate and in every devastated community, Long Beach, etc. My heart goes out to everyone because as much as I have not had it bad, thank God, being without power is, is a difficulty. But compared to what other people have, have been going through, I cannot complain. And ironically enough, it is Health Information and Technology Week. For those of you who have power, it is National Animal Shelter Week. And in the greatest of iron, ironic moments, it is Pursuit of Happiness Week. Anyway, while I usually take this time to share a funny story, frankly, I can't. Nachum and I spent the day yesterday going to various different locations in the five towns in Farakway. I know Nachum has been speaking about it at length in terms of the devastation. He had taken pictures of some of uh, what we saw in the five towns and in Lawrence 
and in Farakaway and the efforts on behalf of all those people who have been displaced. So um, I'm not fu- I'm not feeling particularly funny today. I have to be I have to be honest. I know that I usually take this moment to share a cute anecdote. I'm not feeling it right now. Life seems very different from the life I was living on Monday and definitely the life I was leading last week. That is that is for sure. And for that reason, I am desperate to get to my first guest as um, as as I'd like to move the show along and give as much information to our listeners as possible in terms of what is going on in the five towns and how they can become involved. Nassau County's 7th Legislative District is represented by Howard Coppell. Um, the districts, just so people understand, includes the five towns. That's Cedarhurst, that's Hewlett Harbor, that's Lawrence, that's Woodmere. I mean, it includes also North Woodmere. Parts of Oceanside, Oceanside was hit hard. Island Park, East Rockaway, Hewlett Neck, Inwood. And I thank Mr. Coppell for joining me. Mr. Coppell, you're on the line? I am indeed. How are you? Uh, uh, oh, you know. I, uh, I'm sure not too many people <laughs> ask you that, but I actually want to ask you. Have you, I mean, how are you doing? I, I, I'm, I'm just fine. I mean, uh, we lost power, but, uh, uh, you know, so what? Right. Uh, <laughs> but we're, we're doing fine. I, I, I just toured. I, actually, you're casting me in the car now. We're just doing a tour of, uh, of, of some of the affected areas. And uh, you mentioned Island Park and Oceanside and East Rockaway. Uh, some of those entire neighborhoods became literally part of the ocean. Right. Uh, the entire basement was flooded to the top, and uh, and the first floor, uh, and a lot of those people have no insurance. Ugh. No insurance at all. Uh, I just, now I was just uh, riding around in um, uh, the Branch Boulevard area. Branch, and, Bo- uh, Branch Boulevard, for people who don't know, is actually a sinkhole. It is, and Br- Branch, there is a massive sinkhole in the middle of Branch Boulevard, and, sink, and Branch Good. Boulevard is the conduit, is an important, important road in the five towns because it connects. That's what we ride on it connects yeah. North Woodmere to Woodmere. It is like the main thoroughfare, so to speak, between North Woodmere and Woodmere. And as I drove by today, that sinkhole not only exists, but so does the yellow tape. Are th- is there any movement to pr- to repair that? You see, from what I understand, I spoke with the uh, with the commissioner of public works, and uh, unfortunately, that's going to be a major construction job. It's not. It's not simply a matter of. Uh, of filling in, uh, filling in the, the sinkhole and then and then paving it over, uh, because it'll just happen right away again. There's a uh, the cart underneath, which means that uh, the, the apparatus or the the the, the construction that that uh, takes the water away uh, is also destroyed, which means that there's a major construction job going to have to happen. I'll I'll, I'll stay on top of that, but. It's not like uh, we can get that repaired tomorrow, unfortunately. But I was there. The good news is that as, as, as nasty as it is, you can pass it. Oh, you can? Because it looked, I mean, because I guess yeah, was, I guess it, when I was passing it this morning, there were no cars trying to that, pass by. That, that's right, but, but they, they fenced it in. Ah, they fenced it in. They fenced in the dangerous area, so you've got one lane altogether, and uh, it's got to be shared among cars going in either direction. I'll tell you, as, as I was driving into the city, and obviously between the storm and Long Island Railroad and everything else that has complicated life in the five towns, the best yeah. way for me to get into the studio today was by car, gas and all. The uh, and, and it was with a heavy heart that I decided to 
um, use the gas to come into the city because for those people who don't understand, you can spend, as I did a couple days ago, up to three hours waiting for gas and still not get any at the yeah. end of the line. But uh-huh. as we as we were driving, sorry, as we were driving on 878, which is a very important thoroughfare going through the uh, that separates almost that goes through the Farakway and the five towns, there was a there there were must have been 30 or 40 military Humvees coming into the area. Good. They're bringing what? I'm glad I'm glad to hear about that because uh, I don't think I don't think there's there's so much of a danger right now, even though it feels dangerous when it's dark at night and so forth, and there's dangers of looting. Uh, I'm told that the crime statistics are actually favorable. They've actually gone down. Well, that's probably uh, the best news I think our listeners have heard yeah, in a long time. And and I will tell you one of the reasons is that, that they've made arrests and and apparently what they're doing is they they split they send out as many police as they can and everyone's in overtime but they're not riding in police cars they don't have enough police cars oh. so people are using their own person police are using their own personal cars and riding around to the extent that i'm told and i actually believe this uh because i heard it from a number of different sources that four out of the five four out of five cars that are out there patrolling uh, are unmarked vehicles so that's not a bad that's not a bad thing no. uh, that they're out there. But the Humvees are visible, and, and they make people feel good, and they make people feel safe, and that's a good thing. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And actually, my, my teenage daughter who was in the car said to me, she's like, what are they, what, why are they coming? And I said, well, they're bringing two things, hopefully. Hopefully they're bringing power, and they're also bringing order. And I think that that's also something that has made us as Five Towns residents very, very nervous, is that not, well, only, do we see, not only do we see police presence at gas stations, because it needs to be there right now, but also major intersections in the five towns are without traffic lights. And- oh, that, 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 that is, I mean, I've been, I've been screaming about some of those intersections, particularly, for instance... Uh, Woodmere Boulevard. Met, well, <laughs> Woodmere Boulevard at, at Peninsula, and even more so Peninsula at Rockaway. Oh, uh, God. Which, yeah. is, which is, which is uh, I've driven there at day, I've driven there at night. I, I go there deliberately just to see what's going on. It's terrifying. Yes, it is, and I, it is I wrote. I wrote to the county executive yesterday, uh, pleading, pleading for some temporary traffic lights. I have those things available. I said that God forbid something get killed there. Is there a feeling that it's the five towns and every aura and mis- and and misconception that people have? Oh, that everyone is wealthy in the five towns. We don't have to help them right now. No, I don't believe that at all. On the other That's hand, good. <laughs> on the other hand, people look. Lipa is without any question incompetent, uh, and they're doing a very, very bad job, together with, with a lot of other people, at communications. Right. However, we also have to maintain, in the five towns, we have to maintain some perspective. First of all, there's no way, there is no way, I believe, to prepare for a, for a once-in-a-hundred-year event. You can't prepare for right. that adequately. It can't be done. So... That's that's one thing. I think there's insufficient coordination, and that's hampering the recovery. But the other thing that that I, I really want people to think about, as I say, is a lot of us are not comfortable. I I'm lucky. I did not have water in the house, and that was very lucky. I've had that happen to me, and I know what it is. But not this time. We're without power. We actually got teased. Our power went on on Tuesday. Went off again Wednesday. Oh, sounds like me. Yeah, yeah, but. You know what? I'll go. I'll go to my. Uh, I'll go to my daughter for Shabbos. I'll, I'll, I'm fine. 
I'll have I have food to eat, and, and most of us do. Most of us are not without resources. Right. You go to some of these other neighbors that I've mentioned, and it is it is heartbreaking when you see what's going on. But at the same time, it's heartwarming too sometimes because you see self help organizations and organizations that are just springing up from just volunteers. People are working literally around the clock. Uh, the fire people, the police, the, the, the volunteer fire, the volunteer police, right. the auxiliary, uh, and just organizations that are collecting clothes and food, and they're sending it not only in their own neighborhoods, but other neighborhoods as well. I'd love to see more of that in the five towns, mm. frankly. Um, I mean, we do have we do have Achiezer, and they're right. doing some great work, and we have some other things, but, you know, that's, 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 that's us for us. You don't. You also represent. You also represent Oceanside. You represent the part of Oceanside that includes the youngest role of Oceanside. Yeah, uh, Oceanside was uh, Oceanside was hard hit as well. Our, I mean, Oceanside, Oceanside is not. Oceanside, Oceanside is not Oceanside getting is enough press. So I'd like to Oceanside talk about Oceanside. Oceanside is split between uh, 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 Legislator Ford and me. Uh, Oceanside, and and as I say, the the other shore communities, Island Park, East Rockaway, uh, Long Beach, especially uh, Atlantic Beach. Bay Park, uh, Bay Park was drowned, and the whole oh. Bay Park was, was, was destroyed, practically. Unbelievable. I, I drove around there, as I say. It's, it's, it's terrible. Oh. I, you know, as a, as a person who grew up in Long Beach, I spent, you know, the first 10 years of my life growing up in Long Beach, and I, I mentioned on the air on Monday that there's nothing like the smell of salty sea air to bring me back to my childhood. But, no, but you don't want that in your house. I was you? about to say, but it has a limit. I want to keep it where the ocean is. I don't want to bring it into my house. Um, we're on. We're actually on the air with uh, Howard Copel. He's a Nassau County legislator who represents the five towns: Oceanside, Island Park, ver- inclu- and including uh, various different parts, Hewlett Bay Park, etc. You're listening to That's Life. I'm Miriam L. Wallach. I should say that Mr. Copel is my Nassau County legislator. I'm proud to say because I think he is a phenomenal representative representative of our oh, community. I, 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 I honestly, that. I honestly believe that. I, I think that right now. Not everyone in the five towns, you can see it by Facebook. Unfortunately, Facebook has become a major source of information, both accurate and inaccurate. And yeah, it, my, my page has got quite a bit going on there in terms of what's, what's going on. And people are venting. And people are venting, and, they, yeah. and it seems that, you know, for Woodmere residents, they very much feel that no one is listening, or nobody is looking out for them. We don't have a mayor. We don't have a, you know, a, a this. We don't have a that. And, uh, and I think technically Woodmere is a hamlet. Am I right? Uh, well, no, 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 there's no technical anything. Woodmere is simply an unincorporated part of uh, the town of Hempstead. Oh, okay, we're unincorporated. Uh, but either way, there have, been, there have been these feelings expressed, these very vehement feelings expressed on Facebook that, they, that Woodmere is being overlooked. And frankly, I don't feel that way. I do no. believe that both you and, and other people who have been looking out, I think, you know, uh, Dean Skelos as well, people have been looking out for us. Not every one of our representatives has been representing us. But uh, on behalf of those of us who recognize the good work that you're doing, I really want to thank you. That, that's very kind of you, but you know what? I don't feel I don't feel like I, I like I can accept any praise because I feel helpless at times. I'm trying to get things done, and um, just it's just very frustrating. It's I'm watching people suffer. I people people in Woodmere are not being overlooked. It, it's it's not that's not that's not the issue. The issue is. Uh, Clearly, that resources have to go where the most desperate need is. Right. And like it or not, sometimes the most desperate need is not ours. Agreed. Uh, 
and and that's just a fact. I think that last night when we lost our power again with that huge explosive boom yeah. um, with the um, transformer that blew, I think, in North Woodmere that then set off that chain reaction that blew everything else, that shook all of our homes. I think yeah, that I was... Oh, you yeah. didn't hear it? Well, I, I thought my house was being... Invaded. I'm, in La- I'm in Lawrence. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. It was. It was pretty. It was pretty. Um, it was pretty terrifying. There was all of a sudden this feeling of complete hopelessness. And when I spoke to, because we had had just like you, we had had power for like 20 hours, and then it was gone again. And I spoke yeah. to one of my neighbors this morning, and she said to me that yesterday, after we got power back, she felt like such a mensch. Why? Because she's a doer, and she is that kind of person who brings everyone into her house, and she hasn't been able to do that because they've we've had no power, we've had no resources. And now that she was able to light, uh, you know, turn on the light in her house, she was able to welcome people in. Well, you feel better not only that, but uh, but uh, it, the power is it's, it's a funny thing. But there's so many problems, but you can't fix any of them without the power. Right. And that's the problem. People can't start rebuilding their homes. The gasoline stations, as you mentioned before, uh, a lot of them are not operable because they don't have power. And by the way, I would say parenthetically that that we're going to put some legislation in force. Uh, it's, it's it's you know now it's after the setting the barn door. Might people might say after the horse is gone, but nonetheless, problems can happen again. We're going to require, if I can help it, every single gasoline station in Nassau County to have a backup emergency generator. Well, that's. That that sounds like a very very important piece of legislation that I hope gets passed as soon as possible. By the way, we only have a couple minutes left, Mr. Copel, yes. but I do want to ask you what the progress is going to be with the gas situation, the gas shortage in the five towns in the you know this part of Long it's horrible. Island. It's horrible. People are sitting on lines for hours and, and hours. Not only are people sitting on lines, and it doesn't matter what time you get up, as I can attest, but the people who are standing on line by foot with their jerry cans. I know. I've seen it. I, I can tell you that a lot of gasoline is coming in now, but the problem is, first of all, that there are too few stations that are in operation, number one. Number two, we've got a big psychological problem. Right. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is that I, I know that I, as many people do, we, I kind of fill up the car when, when it's on fumes, you know, when, when, when there's practically no choice. Right. Because I've got no time. Now people who have half a tank, two-thirds of a tank, they see a line, they get on it. Right. And it started that way because because there were only a few stations in operation. So, of course, a bunch of lines formed at those. And that set off the psychology. Right. And uh, I'm not saying it's all a psychological problem, but a lot of it is. And eventually it will go away. I would have thought, I would have hoped it would have gone away by now. But what we need and what I'd love to see the governor do or somebody do is put into, into, uh, into effect an organization or a person. Let's get a person who's in charge, a czar, if you will, somebody who can, who can call all the resources, whether it's the state or the county or the federal government, and, and coordinate things. Mm. And we need that. And we, well, I'm not seeing that, and I, I, I'd love to see it. Has the, governor, does, has the governor offered to come and see what's going on? Has he offered to come and see Farakaway? I don't know. And our wonderful president came, and he took a picture hugging Christie, and then he left. Yeah. That was the end of that. I would have loved to see him hugging, yeah. you know, hugging somebody on on the beach of Long Beach, where where the ocean about, and the bay about, met each other. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't care whether he hugs people. I'd like to see him. <laughs> I'd like to, you know, Katrina has nothing over us. At I this know, point. and I this said that's the biggest natural disaster to hit this part of the country. Ever. I said that to somebody, and they they couldn't they couldn't believe it because Katrina has been this, you know, this um, poster child, for lack of a better word, of this massive destruction that no one has ever been able to see. And I said, you don't understand. 
Sandy makes Katrina look like a walk in the park. Makes it look like I mean I'm not taking away from Katrina. Katrina was awful and devastating. But yeah, the, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not comparing right. things, but I believe that it's bigger. It is well. It seems by the numbers, by the people, sheer numbers, it's supposed people, to be people in terms of people affected. Right. And in terms of certainly the, the recovery is is not happening. The recovery. It's not happening. Yeah, people, as, as people keep on saying, where are the legislators? Where are our... Well, if it's, you have to remember something, and I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm a legislator. <laughs> but a legislator doesn't have executive power. It, it, all, the, the power, all I can do is call up people and yell at them. And sometimes they listen, and sometimes they don't. But we don't have the power as a legislator to push a button and make things happen. That's the executive branch of the, of the county, of the, of the town, of the uh, federal government, and so forth. Okay. Well, a congressman, a congressman can't uh, uh, can't call the army out. Uh, that that's got to be the president. Well, in thirty seconds or less, tell my listeners, tell our listeners who they can call and yell at. They shouldn't call and yell at people. Life is incompetent, <laughs> but it, but but on the other but on the other side, uh, it, it's not as if it's not as if yelling at them is going to make them want to get it done. They want to get it done. They're just incompetent. <laughs> so yelling at them is not going to help. But I would tell you, people, call me five seven one six two zero seven. Don't call to yell at me. Call to yell at me in a few weeks if you need to. But right now, call if you need help. If there's specific help that that that, that you think that I might be able to to render, I'd love to try. That's five one six five seven one six two zero seven. Exactly. Excellent, Mr. Copel. I thank you very much. I appreciate for all the, all the hard work you do in the five towns and keep up the good work. And thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. You're listening to That's Life on the Nachum Siegel stream. We are live from the Lower East Side, and we are quickly going to go to Zahava Farben. She's the Associate Director of Crisis Intervention and Bereavement and the Director of Outreach at Chai Lifeline. Zahava, thanks for joining me. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. I think that people do not appreciate the trauma that kids are going through right now who live in the five towns, who live in Farakway, who live in Seagate, who live in Oceanside and Long Beach and any other devastated or hard-hit area as to... Of the effects that it's having on them psychologically. Somebody actually said to me, like, what's, it ma- what's the difference to the kids? And I said, when you have a kid who doesn't sleep in the same bed every single night, who was completely displaced, whose parents are crying, who haven't been able to go to school, their entire world is upside down. Correct. Correct. Children thrive on security. Children thrive on consistency. Children thrive on routine. And basically, Hurricane Sandy has shattered all that and more. Um, kids, you know, first of all, there are kids who themselves experience real trauma, whether it was seeing the water, you know, rise eight feet outside their house or seeing the water rise eight feet inside of the house, having to scramble to the roof to be, you know, to be rescued from the roof, having right. to escape their house in garbage pails. Um, again, these are real traumatic situations. And like you said, their whole sense of security, of co- consistency, of safety, um, is gone. They haven't been in school. They're being, you know, shuffled from house to house to house, or they're staying in their own house without electricity and power in the dark, cold. I mean, these are definitely, definitely all, all, you know, big signs of trauma. Is it helpful, or uh, is it helpful to have kids um, help put their house back together before? I mean, right now, parents are still bagging, unfortunate, you know, unfortunately, what is now garbage. They're bagging their own. You know, bar mitzvah presents, as Nachum talked about this morning, of a family that he went to see their home and all the, the bar mitzvah boys, bar mitzvah gifts, had been destroyed. Is it, is it helpful to have children be a part of it, or is it better to just keep them out? Um, I think at a certain age it is helpful to be a part of it. Um, kids really do well when they're action-oriented, especially older kids, teenage kids. Um, they're able to channel some of those emotions and, and energies and passions into action. 
So um, I certainly think for older school-age kids, certainly teenagers, that would be helpful. And what about parents? I, I mean, this is something that I, I, my husband and I have talked about before. When parents need to cry, parents need to cry. It's a human emotion. It's a, it's a normal reaction, especially in a time like this. Do, do kids get to see their parents cry? So that's a question I'm asked all the time by teachers, by parents. Am I allowed to cry in front of children? Um, and I answer as follows. It is healthy to cry with the children. You know, it shows them that we're crying together. You know, you're sad, I'm sad. It models, it role models a healthy expression of emotion. You know, lots of kids um, grow up thinking, you know, I'm, I'm too cool to cry, I'm too macho to cry, it's not, it's not acceptable to cry. So it's really role modeling, you know, a healthy expression of emotion. Um, again, it's showing we're all in this together as a family. However, my rule is um, that you can cry, you can weep with the kids, but if you f- see yourself falling apart, if you're really going to break down and get hysterical, then you need to excuse yourself and leave the room for a few minutes until you can get yourself back together. Because it is very scary for children to see their parents totally fall apart. Is it, um, tell, tell me about the role of the friends on the outside who see their, their, their good friends either with destruction to their homes or, or, or whatever kind of destruction that they faced, whatever kind of challenge that they're facing. At what point does a friend, you know, for lack, you know, to, uh, I don't know, to be a little dramatic about it, to force an intervention of some sort where they look at that friend who's struggling and say, listen, there's only so much you can take. You need to start relying on us. Or do you wait for that person to come to you? Friends of the children or friends of the adults? The adults, sorry. Um, Friends are a very important component. And, you know, some of my own friends, you know, some of them are stronger than others and handling it okay and have a very positive attitude. And some of them are literally falling apart and not knowing how they're going to, you know, wake up the following morning. And I do think that friends um, play a very important role, you know, to chip in, to help, to bring food, to invite them over, to offer assistance in any way they can. And if they see their friends falling apart, to, yes, like you said, you know, offer an intervention and say, you can't go on like this. You know, you need to go to your mother in Brooklyn or you need to get on a plane and go to Florida for three days, whatever it is. But, you know, you need to take care of yourself and take care of your family. You know, it's funny. We're talking about uh, structure and children thriving on structure and normalcy and and all that school provides in terms of that, in terms of being a component of that structure. When my kids heard that there was no school today because, you know, the schools in the five towns had already lost power last night because of the snowstorm, no one was excited. You know how the snow day is like the most coveted day in a child's, uh, you know, school year? At this point, my kids were not excited. They looked at me and they're like, really? Really? And I said, there's, there's no school. There's no buses. There's no power. There's no nothing. And it was just like, they were forlorn. How? Correct. I, you know, many times when we see families going through um, crises, through traumatic situations, through loss, the kids coming back to school is a very important part of the healing process. They are returning to their structure, their norm, their routine. And whatever it is that's going on at home, at least in school, they know their routine. You know, 8.30 is davening and 9 o'clock starts first period and then is recess, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this is just another component in their and their loss of security and their loss of safety and routine, like we said before. Um, it's just, you know, one piece on top of the other piece on top of the other piece. Their whole world, their whole safety bubble is, is really being shattered. You're listening to That's Life on the Nachum Siegel Stream. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, joined by Zahava Farbman, Associate Director of Crisis Intervention and Bereavement and the di- uh, Director of the Outreach Program at Chai Lifeline. Zahava, how 
um, much in touch has High Lifeline been, or how has High Lifeline been in touch, which is probably a better question, with the yeshivas in the five towns, Farakaway, Bell Harbor, etc., in terms of bringing that sense of normalcy and dealing with the crisis that each child is facing? Um, High Lifeline has been in touch with basically every school in the five towns on Farakaway. We um, wrote up some very important and basic guidelines um, dealing with trauma, recognizing trauma, and um, some steps in dealing with trauma, which has been disseminated throughout the community, um, to all the schools, to all the centers like Shah Yashav and Chabad and Young Israel of Bayswater, all these places where people are gathering for warmth, for shelter, for food. Um, and I know um, the feedback has been uh, uh, very wonderful right. from that literature, and all the schools are using it. Um, we are actually doing trainings in many of the schools and organizations to the staff um, on, again, how to recognize trauma, how to deal with trauma, uh, we're doing a lot of community outreach. We have, um, in conjunction with Achiezer, set up a crisis hotline um, to address all issues and questions relating to trauma stemming from this hurricane, um, which we have been manning 24 hours a day. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, we've been very busy. The, um, the phone calls that you've been getting in terms of uh, the um, mental health that you're, the mental health capabilities that you've been providing and the mental health, I guess, guidance that you've been providing... Tell me something. Oh, the, the phone number, by the way, people should know that the hotline for the the hotline for High Lifeline is one eight five five three crisis. Correct? Yes, one eight five five three crisis. Um, and in addition, questions can also be emailed to crisis at highlifeline.org. Are these phone calls coming from kids, or they're just coming from parents? They're coming from parents. They're coming from parents. Is that because kids don't know what exists, or because they're, they're parents who? are looking to clear their own minds and then deal with their kids or deal with their children's needs? Um, really probably both. <laughs> um, probably that, you know, it's more the parents and, and the staff in the schools that know about the hotline more than the kids. Um, but parents are asking for guidance in, in terms of how to deal with their kids or is this normal, is this okay, is this an appropriate reaction? I, um, I, I started to tell you yesterday that my we had to evacuate our home as a, an electrical fire was going on outside our door. Oh, wow. And um, a couple of my children were really uh, ver- terrified as to what was going on. I mean, the, the wires were attached to our house, and thank God we're fine. The house is fine. Everything is good. But my youngest had been walking around for days saying, Mommy, is the fire out? Is the fire out? And is this our new home? Wherever we were staying, is this our new home? Right. And I didn't... I didn't have the right answers except for saying the same thing over and over again. The fire is out. The house is fine. Because there was no, then there was a disconnect. If the house is fine, why aren't we going home? Right. And there are only so many answers as a parent that you have until you realize you're saying the same thing over and over again. And whether or not you believe it, and they, they believe you, there's a, there's a disconnect. Right. Look, you know, everyone is wonderful parents and everyone does the best they can, but they don't, there's no guidebook. You know what I'm saying? There are no rules because... You know, usually, thank God, life uh, just goes on, and there aren't these major traumas to deal with. Um, and that's why there are people who know what they're, you know, know the answers, and that's what we're here for. Um, but kids will ask these questions over and over again because they're not comfortable. You know, they're not comfortable with the answers. So where are we, and what's going on, and how come I don't have school, and where's my bed? Where's my bed? That is, you know, that's funny that you bring it up. That's something else that um, we talked about when um, when we got power back for the short amount of time that we did. We immediately turn to friends who are not in the situation, the ideal situation, shall we say, to, to, to say the least. And we opened our home to them for the time that we had power. And my daughter said to me, she said, I, I want everybody to stay with us. I want to be able to be that kind of family for someone else. But I also want to be in my own bed. Right. right. 
and, and I and I appreciate that. My kids also need a sense of normalcy as well. And I, while I want to be able to open my home to everyone, and I frankly I will. I frankly I will when we're back completely on our feet. But I also have to pay attention and be sensitive to the needs of my kids as well. They've Absolutely. also been through their own trauma that I don't think I really appreciated. Absolutely. Look, I, I uh, thank God I have, I, I am blessed, but I am running a refugee center in my house. We have go. seven families staying with us. Wow. Um, and, to you. and one of them, they on Tuesday they got back power and they were so excited to go home. And Wednesday we were on the phone with her and she was telling us it's so good to be in our house and we're helping others and we have people here and we're baked cookies today. And all of a sudden the power went out. And they came back to my house and she fell apart crying in my arms. Oh. You know, she said, I, I, I'm fine and we're fine and every, you know, other people lost everything, but. You know, this is just so frustrating. We actually only have a couple minutes left, and I. but there's something else I, I need to discuss, and this is the stress that it puts on a husband and a wife in a family. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you start fighting with your spouse over nothing, yeah. over nothing. So yeah. what tips can we give every couple out there who is going through a crisis, small or big? What tips can we give them, can we give all of us, to how to keep it together so that the crisis does not divide you? Well, first of all, the stress levels are very high. Just to recognize that, and everyone knows it, but to say it out there, to say to your wife, to say to your husband, I'm sorry I'm snapping, but just, you know, my emotions are very raw. You know, my stress level is very high, and, you know, it's the tiniest thing that's going to set me off. It's not you. You know, that's number one, just to put it out there. And number two, to know that everyone reacts very differently. Right. Everyone has their own ways of dealing with trauma, with crisis. Um, and, you know, first of all, men and women are very different, and most of us do not marry our twin, you know. <laughs> most of us marry someone who is different than us. Right. Strengths complement our weaknesses, and our strengths complement their weaknesses, and we're going to react, you know, differently to things, and not just husbands and wives, everyone out there. Like I said, I have different types of friends who are dealing with this very, very differently, but to recognize and to love each other's strengths and weaknesses, to recognize and love those differences, to know and to say, Look, you know, I love you, but I'm I'm breaking apart right now, and I need your strength. And right. you know, later, you know, in a few hours, when you're falling apart because you can't go to the office and you're tense and you're nervous and whatever, you know, I'm going to try to be strong. You know, really to be able to to work as a team, but to say it, not to, not to not to assume it. Nothing is assumed in these types of situations. Right. So there is something to there is something to taking five minutes and taking turns. You can fall apart now. I'll fall apart later. Correct. Exactly. And again, just to recognize that everybody is different. You know, I know you, thank God, have a lot of kids. I'm sure each one of them is reacting very differently, responding very differently. You know, and again, even to say to them, kids, we're a family. We're going through this together. But each one of us, you know, is experiencing this in a, in a different way. Right. There is um, th- that, va- that validity. You know, validate, validate, validate. Correct. That's, that's <laughs> Correct. It's, uh, it's a technique that we use with our spouses all the time. Yes. Correct. And just one line that's one of my favorite lines in my, in my work is, an unusual response to an unusual, an I'm sorry, an abnormal response to an abnormal situation is perfectly normal. Mm. This is just absolutely an abnormal situation. And however anybody needs to react, to feel, to respond, as long as they're healthy and they're safe, is fine. There are no rules. No rules. There are no rules. There is no guidebook. So Hava Farbman, thank you so much for joining me. If thank you need you. anyone at High Lifeline, feel free to be in touch with them at crisis at highlifeline.org. Or you can reach their hotline number, 1-855-3-CRISIS. Correct. And, Miriam, next time you'll invite me on for a good thing. I was about to say, Zahava, we keep talking at bad times. (laughs) I mean, I'm going to have a party, and you're going to be my guest of honor. (laughs) Absolutely. Looking forward. (laughs) Thanks so much. Okay. You're listening to That's Life on the Nachum Siegel stream. I am Miriam L. Wallach, and I'm pretty sure that Margot Reinstein, 
Am I yes. right? Am I, hello, Margo. Margo Reinstein is on the phone. She is a she is from Teaneck. She is a senior at Stern College for Women. She majors she is majoring, I should say, in Judaic studies and education. She is also the president of Stern's Torah Activities Council, otherwise known as TAC. She organized relief efforts on the Lower East Side while the power was out in the Lower Manhattan. That was just last week. She says hundreds of men and women at while you have volunteered. Margo, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So tell me, I mean, the power was out on the Lower East Side for four days, but in a vertical community, otherwise known as high-risers, that four days is a long, long time. Yes. What did you yes. see? It was, it was really crazy. I mean, we went down there honestly not knowing what to expect because very, very few groups had been there. We were there last Thursday. And we specifically went into buildings where we knew there were elderly people because the elevators wouldn't be working for them to get out. Um, and we brought with us, you know, tons and tons of supplies, as much as we could gather and buy. And we just, I mean, every story was different, but a lot of them were just people sitting in their homes oh. in the cold by fire, by, by candlelight. We brought for most of them, their batteries had already run out, and we were literally providing them with light. We were giving them water because their water stopped running. I think providing them, I pr- providing them with light and re-energizing them is probably both a both physical is uh, both literal and metaphorical. I would have to say, a hundred percent. Gavi Brown is also on the phone. He's of Silver Spring, Maryland. He's a junior at Yeshiva College. He is an English major, boy after my own heart, and is the features editor of the YU Commentator newspaper. He's been working twelve to eighteen hours a day, folks. That is not a typo. Twelve to eighteen hours a day, and taking midterms as well. He's a head volunteer at a city-run homeless shelter in Washington Heights taking in people from homeless shelters around New York City that were forced to close by Hurricane Sandy. Gavi? Yeah, hi. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I'm afraid to ask you what the worst you've seen is, but I would rather hear what the best story, the most heartwarming moment that you could share with us is. Well, you know, families coming in and really appreciating the volunteers who are coming, the rabbinical students and the YU Presidential Fellows and the and the groups coming in from Mount Sinai on a Friday night, mm. coming in and just speaking with them and having a heart-to-heart, you know, on the same level, uh, is really is really heartwarming. And yeah, we do have our horror stories and our, you know, our drunk guys and our crack addicts who who we have to turn away. But there are always some really beautiful moments uh, in the shelter uh, over the past week that I've that I've seen, and I've you know that that keep me going. I'm I, I, I with 12 to 18 hours a day. I'm not exactly sure what could keep you going except the five-hour energy drink. But um, but call vote to you. Were either of you working together at the same time? Um. Well, I uh, I've been sort of coordinating through Facebook uh, to to get as many volunteers as possible. Um. But uh, you know, we we I've been working with Mount Sinai and with Aliza Abrams at the CJF, the Center for the Jewish Future. Um. I haven't uh, Margot. I don't know. She can. She can tell you, Margo. Right. I mean, um, we did partner with the CJF for a little bit. Gavi and I actually also had Shabbos lunch together this past <laughs> week. Um, but pr- actually, it's true. Facebook was really the most incredible tool for us throughout all of this in terms of sharing things and getting the word out quickly. Facebook has been has become, um, unfortunately my source of information for everything whether there's power on my block and who you know who won the presidential election not that there was much of a an announcement for that but nevertheless <laughs> there is a um there, there i think that facebook has provided itself or made itself by by an accident oh, so much uh, in 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 some way 
that they are such a clearinghouse of communication for both people yeah. like you and people like me in order to coordinate efforts. Definitely. It's- yeah, exactly. I, we, we had our, uh, our group right now um, that's working on, the, our shelter is on 192nd and Autobahn uh, in the George Washington High School. Um, our group now is about 400 people. Um, wow. And that's only the YU group. Um, there are other groups that I'm told, you know, this is the YU sort of and the, and the Mount Sinai group. I'm told there are other groups that, you know, so when we needed more, you know, when we needed more, you know, donations of food, I put the word out. When we didn't need any more donations, I put the word out. And when I needed volunteers, I just put the word out. And, and people came within two or three hours. It's amazing how, how quickly and how efficiently you can kind of just organize and, 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 and bring people in. That's unbelievable. Gavi, have you seen returning families or families they, it, that have been there the entire time that you go back to and see day after day? Well, we, um, we had a lot of families Thursday night. Thursday night was our really big night. We had 200 people arrive oh. at about 8 o'clock. Um, so, we've been, so I've been there since. We actually, uh, on Sunday, we, uh, we sent off a group um, of families back to their shelters, um, back to the shelter that opened on Catherine Street downtown. And uh, that, was, that was an amazing moment. I think I was too tired to, uh, to cry then. Oh. But, um, but, you know, so, so we sent them out, and we actually didn't have anyone on Monday night. Um, but uh, late, late Monday night, we actually at 2.30 in the morning, we got 30 more people. So we just, you know, we just had to open again. Now we're at 140, uh, 140 people. We thought we were going to be closed on Monday. Um, so so it's, uh, I haven't seen anyone really return, uh-huh. um, but I see, you know, the same families. Right now we have over 50 children. Um, and a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, many people have the same story. They were moved from shelter to shelter after their own shelters closed. You know, their own shelters were flooded. Right. So, uh, so not everyone's been here for a week, but certainly everyone, everyone has had a, a really, really uh, harrowing story. Any comments about your yarmulke? Any comments by somebody who, um, uh, you know, who... Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I uh, you know, a lot of people would say, oh, are you Jewish, you know, and... You know the guys. You know the guys who are who are running. You know the janitors. You know they all. You know give me. You know they're all like, hey, you want to have some pizza? You know I said, oh, you know I just point to my keeper and they understand. <laughs> um, actually, uh, yesterday I uh, I had my first slur slurred at me uh, oh. for for being Jewish, which was a little bit of a hard moment. But uh, hey, I've been here for six days and it took six days, so I'm happy with that. And uh, you know I think I think it's uh, it's amazing that we see so many so many amicas coming in and. Um, you know, I think it's a real condition, Shan. Good for you. Margo, were you part of the, uh, were you at Stern when it was evacuated? Um, I was not. Thank God, I, like, my parents told me to get out earlier, and I was in the Heights the whole time. Oh, you were in the Heights. So it seems that, you know, as much, as funny as it may sound, a lot of Stern girls have been spending more time at YU than they had been otherwise. Yeah, we were basically there the whole week. It was a huge Shabbos um, in the Heights. Um, but thank God, like, the community, the Mount Sinai community was unbelievable because there were hundreds of students, my parents also, who, who just needed places to go, and the Heights completely opened up. That's incredible. You lost power in your home in Teaneck? Lost power in Teaneck, lost power in Stern, but found shelter at YU. And your parents are back up and, uh, and moving there? Yeah, they finally got power back last night. That's, that's fantastic. So tell me how you, got, how you, moved to the, how you uh, got to the Lower East Side in terms of volunteering there. We had organized a bus. Um, and the bus filled up quite quickly, wow. and we were able to travel down. It took about a half an hour more than expected, but we made it there. You're listening to That's Life on the Nachum Siegel Stream. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, joined by Margot Reinstein and Gavi Brown. 
students at Stern College and YC, respectively, both who will have donated and dedicated much of their time to volunteering at this at various different locations, both in New York on the Lower East Side and in Washington Heights in uh, the aftermath of Sandy. I can imagine that neither one of you expected in your lifetime to see anything like this, because frankly, I'm just a couple years older than you, and I've never seen anything like this either. Yes, it's very scary. It is, it is very scary. Were there times, Margo, that you were walking through you know, um, high-rise buildings or apartment buildings in, on the Lower East Side and you too were afraid and wanted to back out? Of course. It was, you know, it, was, it, was, it was pitch black. We were bringing our own flashlights to walk up 16 flights of stairs. We really didn't know what we were encountering, but we took a leap of faith and jumped in. Was there anyone who was um, unappreciative? Was there anyone who you came to the knock on their door and they did not, they wouldn't open their door? Maybe they were afraid of you? Yes, there, there actually were. Um, there were some people, it's actually funny you asked Gavi about the Judaism point, because there were some people that, one, person, one woman in specific, this elderly woman, that just said, you're Jewish, right? And we're like, yeah. And she's like, I knew the Jews would come for me. Oh. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Um, wow. But on the other side, of course, there were, you know, some people who said, do you think I didn't prepare for the storm? I brought flashlights. I bought water. I don't need you. And, you know, that's okay. Thank you. I went on to the next test. I knew the Jews would come. That is, I mean, what a line. Yeah, it was unbelievable. What a line. That is, that's incredible. You know, that goes back to, by the way, as a Stern College grad, that goes back to the YU tag of nowhere, nowhere but here. I mean, there is something to be said, and I'm a proud Stern grad. There is something to be said about the initiative taken by Stern College and Yeshiva College students and, and everything that you guys do in terms of turning out to your own communities. I mean, Margo, you came and you faced different things. Um, you did not know who you were going to encounter. And frankly, Gavi, I can't imagine that you're seeing too many Orthodox Jews in those shelters that you're uh, manning on the, uh, in the Washington Heights. Yeah, we actually had one, one Jewish guy who on Shabbos told me that I shouldn't be there because it was Shabbos. Oh! Um, yeah, we, we actually, yeah, we made sure that he was, you know, taken care of. Uh, and, uh, but that, that was, I mean, and there's a woman who claims to be a... Uh, uh, like a messianist, I, I don't know, but uh, and she was listening to Shweki this morning. Really? Uh, so, yeah, that was a you know, we do have some some odd folks uh, down at that shelter. Yeah, that's incredible. Jacob Braun is also joining me now. He recently turned from his second year at yeshiva in Israel and is now one of five students participating in a new program at YU. It's a full day of learning program that allows him to learn full time for another year before adding academic studies to his schedule next year. He was a line volunteer in the five towns and help clean out a home that was severely damaged by the storm. Jacob, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Jacob, where do you come from? Uh, I live in Englewood. You... I mean, right now I'm spending most of my time in Washington Heights. Right. But, uh, you're not, yeah. It's not like you're a five-towns boy who came back out to the five-towns to help other families. You were, you're a New Jersey yeah. boy who came to the five-towns to see what was going on there. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of family that lives in the five-towns, but not really in the far Rockaway area, so... You know, even though I have family that lives there, I wasn't really able to appreciate the damage there until, until I was there. So tell everybody what you saw, because I still don't believe that people get it. I think people still believe that the five towns are still the whatever everyone thinks about the five towns in Farakaway. Right. So I used to be like that, because in Englewood, Baruch Hashem, there was damage, but not, not more than uh, the usual after a very bad storm. Right. So, you know, I was uh, sitting in Yeshiva, and someone came over to me and asked me if I'd be able to go volunteer and help out in the five towns. 
So I had, you know, I had heard stories about what had happened after the storm, but I wasn't able to really appreciate it. Mm. When I got there, you know, and I saw, you know, the, that there were, there were volunteers being organized by Shor Yashiv, which is where I arrived to, um, and uh, I was uh, I was connected with with uh, someone I needed help in 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 her home. So as we were driving through the neighborhood to 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 this person's home, Leah Leah Gordon was her name. So I was really able to see, you know. All the damage that was that, that had happened there, people, you know, really just emptied out their homes from damaged possessions. Right. Uh, it was really, it was really heart wrenching to see, you know, and being in 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 this home, in in the Gordon family's home, was was really, you know, it, was, it it would have been near impossible for me to really appreciate what had happened there had I not seen it for myself. I don't think people also appreciate the vast amount of Seamus that has now been created by Hurricane Sandy. Were you were you part of a group that was also taking care of Seamus? I was not, but by Shoryashiv I saw a very large truck that was it was when I was there it was empty. But it was sitting there in preparation for all the Seamus that people were gonna bring there. You know, as as a Yeshiva boy I loved farm. That was one of the things that uh really really got to me when I heard people, you know, lost, you know, uh large amounts worth of worth of farm. You know, and, and all the shameless that was, you know, that was destroyed there. You know, that was something that it's hard for me to relate to. How many? To see all the damage there, you know. Right. How many people? Uh, how many people did you go out to the five towns with? Uh, I was one of six. You were one of six, and who brought you there? I'm sorry. Were you there with one of your rabbeim? Were you there with who? No, it was. Uh, it was. I was the youngest one there, but it was me and other guys from YU. Some sneaker students. I think some were just older students. They're, uh, interesting. Gavi, are you still on the line? Yep. Good. Don't go anywhere. Um, I just want to talk to Jacob another minute, but we're going to we're going to include both of you. I just want to make sure everyone everyone knows who we are we are talking we are speaking to, I should say. Gavi Brown of Silver Spring, Maryland is a YC student who has been working 12 to 18 hours a day in a Washington Heights shelter from people who were from people who were evacuated from their own homeless from their own original homeless shelters in New York City that were closed because of Hurricane Sandy. And Jacob Braun is also a student at YU who is part of a unique and new uh, learning program at YU. They spend the third year learning before adding academic studies to their schedule. And he was a line volunteer in the five towns. I want to thank both of you, by the way, for the hard work that you did. I know that um, Margot is no longer on the line, but on behalf of everyone, adults and people who live in the five towns and just people who are proud of you, I just want to thank you guys for all the work that you're doing. Welcome, what else you. were you supposed to do? Ah, uh, I mean, what else were you supposed to do? That is, listen, I'll tell you something. There are plenty of people who are not doing anything, and that's the reality. And I'm not just talking about people who feel helpless, but people who are in people who are legislators, people who are working at major agencies, who are frankly not doing anything. People who are walking around complaining and not doing anything. And I understand the tr the trauma that hits a human being before they're able to pick themselves up by their bootstraps and say it is time to act. But frankly, there are plenty of people who never act. So uh, while I appreciate the fact that your attitude, and a good one as it is, your, your, your viewpoint is, of course, what else were we going to do? Unfortunately, not everyone feels the exact same way that you do. Jacob, how many people were on the line that you were working on in, um, in, the, in the five towns? How, uh, how many people were on the line? Yeah, I mean, like, it was the six of you and you were passing things from one person to another? Um, 
No, I mean, um, well, the the six of us broke up into two groups. Okay. So we and we both went to different homes. So uh, the home that I went to, the the basement was you know flooded in you know at least five or six feet of water. I think it was. Okay. So everything was really destroyed. So we were sort of given different uh, jobs, you know, to help you know clean up this room, that room, take things out to the front. So we we you know we were just helping to clean up on our own. It wasn't so much a line, but um. We're, you know, helping uh, clear up garbage and uh, take out ruined clothing. Gavi, as... Um, oh, sorry. Sorry, Jacob. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, uh, okay. Gavi, as a writer, how much has this prompted you and inspired you to write about your experiences? Um, well, well, there's a strict no-media policy uh, in the in the shelter. Um, but certainly, you know, I've been, I've been moved. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really want to write about the, the experiences that I have. I just want to be in the moment. Um, and uh, you know, but but uh, this has certainly this has certainly been a you know a time where uh, you know I, I'm going to think back, maybe you know write a story about it. But uh, but it, it wanted, I just really want to stay in the moment and stay present and 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 not have you know any other any other things come up because because I really you know when you're there you get sucked in and you, you're just working and working and you know I it, luckily I have class to interrupt, but I I mean I because I would be there <laughs> later. <laughs> well, um, I I want to again commend both of you for all the great things that you were doing. Um, on behalf of Kal Yisrael, I want to thank you. And on behalf of every parent out there, um, we're proud of you. So thank you very much. Thank you. And by the way, we still need volunteers. Uh, we're going to be right. open through through Sunday, uh, most likely. So if you can come, 192nd and Autobahn. Uh, if you live in if you live in the live in the area, that'd be great. Friday night, Saturday night, Shabbos. At any time, we need people. Okay, and um, and I hope that they respond. Is there, by the way, is there a contact number that somebody can somebody can call if they're looking to volunteer? They should just show up. Uh, yeah, you can we, you can show up because at this point we we do really need as many volunteers as possible. All right. Well, I hope our listeners heed that call. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye bye. I just want to say that I'm breaking my rule of not checking my phone during the show because I just got an incredible email from Shlomo Pomerantz in uh, Spring Valley, New York, and he is 100 percent right. Besides the great work that Achiezer is doing and that Hatzalah is doing and every other Jewish agency is doing, um, we need to thank all the um, active volunteers in their local fire departments and ambulance corps, not just Hatzalah, that risk their lives and take, stay away from their families every single day and put themselves in danger in order to help others. And I'm not just talking about the from volunteers. I'm talking about every single member, whether it's the you know, LCFD, that's the Lawrence Cedarhurst Fire Department, the Woodmere Fire Department, Muncie Fire Department. You could talk about Teaneck Volleys and Englewood Volleys and people who risk their lives all the time to, th to, to help other people. I do want to say thank you. So Shlomo Pomerantz, thank you for that email. Um, he is a member of Hillcrest Fire Company Number 1. They proudly serve the largest area of Rockland, including Muncie, Viola, Forche, Wesley Hills, Panoma, New Square, um, and as well as areas of Havistraw, Clarkstown, and the Palisades Interstate Parkway. So thank you for that email. I appreciate it. You've been listening to That's Life on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm Mary Mel Wallach. Thank you for making us part of your day. Um, make sure to tune in. We have a full lineup the rest of the day. Randy is going to follow this show, talking about what's going on in Teaneck and the efforts there. Then, of course, we have the OU um, and Jewish Reaction. Rivka Abbey repeat. Rivka Abbey encore. She was incredible. This week, she is right after Randy, so it is a full lineup today. Plus, of course, we have the stunt show. We have the Thursday Night Extravaganza. We have spin class with Michael Fragan. We have Book of Life 
with Charlie Harari. I'm sure that Michael's going to cover the elections, and I'm sure that Charlie's going to give us words of inspiration. Join Nachum tomorrow morning from 6 to 9 as he hosts JM in the AM. And speaking with uh, Malcolm Holmline tomorrow morning, you won't want to miss that. And JM Sunday with Matis Weingast. Make sure to catch him from 7 to 9 on the stream. This show will be rebroadcast Sunday at 1 p.m. I am leaving you today with the song that Nachum has dubbed the anthem of Hurricane Sandy. It's called By My Side by Eighth Day. And I don't think he could be any more right about this. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. That's when I lift my eyes to the skies, dreaming, dreaming, days gone by. And I know you said that all I need is an honest try, an honest try. But in the dark of night, in the lonely heights, you give me the strength to keep up the fight. But I can't move on, I can't live life without you. Sometimes life's like an ocean Sweet is quiet as blue Sometimes life's like an ocean Sailing with you Sometimes life's like an ocean Raging like a fool Sometimes life's like an ocean When it's drowning in you have come to surround me to cool me and bring me down rivers have come to surround me to turn my boat around rivers have come to surround me to cool me and bring me down rivers have come to surround me to turn my boat around that's when I lift my eyes to the skies dreaming But in the dark of night, in the lonely heights You give me the strength to keep up the fight But I can't move on, I can't live life without you Without you by my side Without you by my side
That's when I lift my eyes to the skies Dreaming, dreaming, days gone by And I know you said that all I need is an honest try An honest try But in the dark of night and the lonely heights You give me the strength to keep on the fire But I can't move on, I can't live life without you Without you by my side Without you Without you by my side